Welcome to the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. This is the voice of the narrated Puritan. The recordings of the narrated Puritan can be found on Sermon Audio. When I had moved to Owensboro, Kentucky, and we purchased our house here, we hadn't been in this house not even a month, and I got an email from a brother that I was already friends with on Facebook over by Frankfort, Kentucky, who was a co-pastor with Steve Weaver, who's pretty well known in our circles as a Baptist historian. And they were coming to this side of the state to attend what was called the J.H. Spencer Baptist Historical Society. And I knew nothing about it, but he invited me to come. It turned out that the place they were meeting was one mile down the road. So I attended the meeting, heard a couple of interesting stories, and kind of forgot about it. About two weeks ago, somebody who heads that committee wrote to me and said that he had put together the fact that this guy, Tom Sullivan, who was at that meeting that day, also is the Tom Sullivan, yours truly, who teaches some church history and biographical sketches that found their way on Sermon Audio, and he was doing a study of A.W. Pink. I guess the reason why was because there was a time that A.W. Pink did live here in Kentucky. In fact, that is where he met his wife, Vera. So in a study of the Kentucky Baptists, I came across this J.H. Spencer, and it looks like he did a two-volume history of the Kentucky Baptists from 1769 to 1885, including more than 800 biographical sketches. Well, that gets my interest up. I love to study old history, especially in American church history. So I'm just going to start reading at the beginning of this book just to whet our appetite. A couple of paragraphs from the preface. The Baptists have been occupying the soil of Kentucky 110 years and, with the exception of two brief periods, have been much the most numerous denomination of Christians in this state. Yet they alone of the leading sects have failed to have their history written until now. The present work is a primal history of the Kentucky Baptists. Some fragmentary accounts of churches and associations have been printed from time to time, but nothing like a connected history of the denomination has been published since Benedict's epitome of its early operations was issued from the press at Boston, Massachusetts in 1813. The want of a history of Kentucky Baptists has long been felt, and various efforts have been made to secure such a work. So let's move to chapter 1 and dig in and see what he had to say. First Baptist Settlers in Kentucky The first attempt to explore Kentucky was made by Daniel Boone in 1769. The following extract is from his autobiography. It was on the 1st of May... 1769, that I resigned my domestic happiness and left my family in peaceful habitation on the Yadkin River in North Carolina to wander through the wilderness of America in quest of the country of Kentucky, in company with John Finley, John Stewart, Joseph Holden, Money, and William Cool. On the 7th of June, after traveling through a mountainous wilderness in a western direction, we found ourselves on the Red River, where John Finley had formerly been trading with the Indians, and from the top of an eminence saw with pleasure the beautiful level of Kentucky. Now moving forward to chapter 2, the first church is planted. 
During a period of more than 25 years since the last of the pioneer fathers fell asleep, much interest has been felt and much earnest inquiry has been made as to which is the oldest church in Kentucky and what was the date of its constitution. The diligent Swede, John Asplin, who traveled on foot from Maine to Georgia and as far west as Kentucky for the purpose of collecting statistics of which to compose a Baptist register for 1790, did the Baptists of America a good service in preserving approximate dates and numbers of their old churches and associations. The same day on which the church was constituted, probably by Joseph Barnett and John Whitaker, John Gerard was ordained as its pastor. He was, therefore, the first pastor of a Baptist church, the first who discharged the functions of a scriptural bishop in the Great Valley lying between the Allegheny and the Rocky Mountains. His was a vast parish, and he occupied a responsible position. But he did not long enjoy his honors nor bear his responsibility. About eleven months after his assumption of the pastoral office, he took his rifle and went out to hunt for game in a neighboring forest. As night fell, his wife and daughter watched for him in vain. He never came home. It is supposed that he was killed by the Indians, who were then prowling around the infant settlements, determined to drive the pale faces from their hunting ground. His history, except during his brief sojourn in Severn's Valley, has faded from the memory of men. We don't know where he came from nor where he went. Our knowledge of him may be summed up in a single sentence from the pen of Mr. Haycraft. Like John the Baptist, he came preaching in the wilderness, and like Moses, no man knows of his sepulcher until this day. Cedar Creek Church was the second organized in Kentucky. It was gathered by Joseph Barnett, who was assisted in its constitution by John Gerard on July 4th of 1781. It is located in Nelson County, about five miles southwest from Bardstown. I'm sure my Kentucky friends here say Bardston. It will be observed that it is only 16 days younger than Severn's Valley and probably might as well have been constituted as early or even earlier than that church had not our patriotic fathers desired to do honor to the 4th of July, it being only five years after the Declaration of Independence and while the old Revolutionary War was still in progress. Among the prominent citizens who were members of this church in an early day were James Rogers, a member of the Danville Convention in 1785, and Judge James Slaughter. The first pastor was Joseph Barnett, who continued to minister to the church until October 1785, and probably some years later. The second pastor was Joshua Morris, who continued to labor with the church a long series of years, during which time it greatly prospered. Joshua Morris was born in James City County, Virginia, about the year 1750. His father and one of his uncles were Baptist preachers in Virginia, where they labored during the stormy period of persecution. Mr. Morris was awakened to a sense of his lost estate under the preaching of Elijah Baker, by whom he was baptized for the fellowship of James City Church in his native county about the year 1773. Very soon after his baptism, he commenced exhorting and two years later began laboring with Elijah Baker at Grafton, where his exhortations were profitable. After this, he moved to the neighborhood of Boar Swamp, now Antioch Church, of which he became a member. While here, he commenced holding meetings at the house of a Mr. Franklin near the city of Richmond. 
The Lord blessed his labors, and soon several persons were baptized. There was no Baptist church in Richmond at that time, and it is even doubtful whether any Baptist had ever preached within its limits. Not far from the year 1776, Mr. Morris moved into the city and commenced laboring among the people. Again, his labors were blessed. Within about two years, a sufficient number was baptized to warrant an organization, and in 1780, the First Baptist Church in Richmond was constituted. Mr. Morris was immediately chosen as pastor. He continued to labor in this position about eight years. In 1788, he moved to Kentucky, where he stopped for a time on Elkhorn. But the Lord had prepared a field of labor for him in another locality. He was led to it in the following manner. About the year 1785, those famous old pioneers, John Whitaker and William Taylor, constituted a small church on Brashears Creek in Shelby County, but the Indians soon became so troublesome that it ceased to meet. Two or three years later, William Hickman, who had recently settled at the forks of Elkhorn in Franklin County, visited the brethren on Brashears Creek, collected them again, and preached to them several times. They solicited him to settle among them, and when he declined, they desired him to send them a preacher. This is just about the time that Mr. Morris arrived in Kentucky. There was no preacher in what is now Shelby County at that time. On Mr. Hickman's solicitations, Mr. Morris visited the church on Brashears Creek and soon afterward became its pastor. He labored in the gospel about 10 years in Shelby County. During this period, he gathered several churches and among them Elk Creek, till recently one of the largest and most prosperous churches in Spencer County. Gilbert's Creek Church was the third organization of the kind in Kentucky. Its history is one of thrilling interest and must be traced from its origin in Virginia, where it is born amidst the throes of a relentless persecution. In order to have a clear understanding of its history, it is necessary to glance at the early operations of the Baptists in Virginia. By the way, I must tell you that I did find a book on the history of the Baptists in Virginia as well, and I had prepared a podcast for that, but I put that aside in order to work on this one due to the communication I'd received from one of the main people in the J.H. Spencer Historical Society. It is remarkable that about the time of the rise of the gospel in Virginia, there were multiplied examples of persons who had never heard anything like evangelical preaching that were brought through divine grace to see and feel the want of vital goodness. Among these was Alan Wiley, a respectable citizen of Culpeper County. On becoming awakened to the subject of salvation, he began to call his neighbors together at his house, read the Bible to them, and exhort them to seek the Savior. After this, it continued for some time. He accidentally heard of David Thomas and soon set out to travel 60 miles to converse with him and hear him preach. On a second visit, he was baptized, after which he invited the minister to come and preach at his house. But when he reached Mr. Wiley's, the mob had collected and refused to let him preach in the county. However, he went over into Orange County and preached several times. Many persons were awakened, among whom were some of Tolliver Craig's household. This occurred in the year 1765. Next year, Mr. Wiley traveled to Pennsylvania County to find Samuel Harris and induce him to come and preach at his house. 
Mr. Harris returned with him and preached the first day after his arrival. But next day, when he began to preach, the crowd assailed him with whips and sticks, so violently that he was compelled to desist. He then went over into Orange County, where he continued many days preaching to great crowds. Many who had been awakened the year before under the preaching of Mr. Thomas were converted as well as others who were alarmed under Mr. Harris's preaching. On leaving the young converts to return home, Mr. Harris advised some of them in whom he discovered gifts to hold meetings. They took his advice and chose Elijah Craig's tobacco barn for their meeting house. Among these unbaptized young preachers were Lewis and Elijah Craig. Some time after they commenced their meetings in the tobacco barn, David Thomas, who was a man of learning, visited the neighborhood again and preached to the young converts on their invitation. In his preaching, he unfortunately spoke against such weak, illiterate persons attempting to teach. The young converts took umbrage at this and determined to send again for Mr. Harris to come and preach and baptize. When the three messengers, one of whom was Elijah Craig, arrived at Mr. Harris, they were surprised to learn that he had not been ordained. However, he set out with the messengers who traveled 60 miles further into North Carolina to obtain the services of James Reed. Mr. Reed consented to go with them. They arrived in Orange County, and having sent a messenger before them to make an appointment, they found a large crowd of people assembled. The Craigs were so conspicuous in gathering the early churches, both in Virginia and Kentucky, that they are entitled to special notice in this place. Tolliver Craig was an only child of English parents and was born in Virginia about the year 1710. At the age of 22, he married Polly Hawkins and settled in Orange County. This union was blessed with seven sons and four daughters. Lewis Craig was born in Orange County, Virginia, about the year 1737. He was raised on a farm, received a very limited education, and in early life was married to Betsy Landers. He was first awakened to a sense of his guilt and condemnation about the year 1765 under the preaching of Samuel Harris. Of his struggles while under conviction, John Taylor says, Mr. Craig's great pressure of guilt induced him to follow the preachers from one meeting to another, and when preaching ended, he would rise up in tears and loudly exclaim that he was a justly condemned sinner, and with a loud voice warned the people to fly from the wrath to come, and except they were born again with himself, they would all go down to hell." Well, under his exhortation, the people would weep and cry aloud for mercy. In this manner, his ministry began before himself, had hope of conversion, and after relief came to him, he went on preaching a considerable time before he was baptized. No administrator being near, many being converted under his labors. Very soon after Mr. Craig's conversion... And before he was baptized, he was indicted by the grand jury for holding unlawful conventicles and preaching the gospel contrary to law. When the jurymen by whom he was being tried went to a tavern for refreshments, he treated them to a bowl of grog, and while they were drinking it, got their attention and spoke to them the following purport. Gentlemen, I thank you for your attention to me. When I was about this courtyard in all kinds of vanity, folly, and vice, you took no notice of me. But when I have forsaken all the vices and am warning men to forsake and repent of their sins, you bring me to the bar as a transgressor. 
How is all this? John Waller, who was at this time an exceedingly wicked man, was one of the jury. He was so deeply impressed by the meekness of Mr. Craig and the solemnity of his manner that he did not recover from the awful impression until he found peace in Jesus about eight months afterward. He subsequently became one of the most distinguished Baptist ministers of his generation, endured great persecution for preaching the gospel contrary to law. Mr. Craig was probably prosecuted no further in this case. On the 4th of June, 1768, Lewis Craig, John Waller, and James Childs were seized by the sheriff while engaged in public worship and brought before three magistrates in the meeting house yard. They were held to bail and a thousand pounds to appear at court two days afterward, were arraigned before the court as disturbers of the peace. In his speech, the prosecuting attorney said, May it please your worship, these men are great disturbers of the peace. They cannot meet a man on the road, but they must ram a text of scripture down his throat. Mr. Waller, who had been educated for the law, defended himself and his brethren so ingeniously that the court was much puzzled. However, the prisoners were required to give security not to preach again in the county for the period of 12 months. This they refused to do and were committed to jail. As they passed along through the streets of Fredericksburg on their way to prison, they sang the old hymn beginning, Broad is a road that leads to death. A great crowd followed them, and the scene was awfully solemn. Tradition has it that Joseph Craig, a very eccentric man, cried out in a stentorian voice, Arise ye dead and come to judgment, whereupon many persons dropped down as if pierced through the heart. During the confinement, says J.B. Taylor, Elder Craig preached through the grates to large crowds and was a means of doing much good. Mr. Craig remained in jail a month and was then released. He at once hastened to Williamsburg and soon secured the release of his brethren. Their imprisonment seems to have increased their zeal and they went forth with renewed energy in their glorious work. As has been stated, Mr. Craig was ordained to the pastoral office in November of 1770, but this did not prevent his preaching abundantly in all the surrounding country. In 1771, he was arrested in Carrollton County, where he was committed to prison and remained in jail three months. Before he left Virginia, he was instrumental in gathering at least three churches in Dover Association, during the revival in Upper Spotsylvania in 1776, over 100 were added to its membership. This church prospered as long as Mr. Craig remained with it in its first location. But the time now drew near when the Lord of the Harvest would send him to a new field of labor among the dark, wide forests of the great wilderness beyond the mountains. He was now in the vigor and strength of manhood, a little under 45 years of age. He had been 14 years in the ministry, had enjoyed extraordinary success, and had a wider and more varied experience than most men have in a lifetime. Mr. Craig continued to serve Upper Spotsylvania Church as pastor until 1781 when he moved to Kentucky. 
So strongly was the church attached to him that most of its members came with him. At exactly what time in the fall they started has not been ascertained, but Mr. Craig was on the Halston River on the road leading from his former home by way of Cumberland Gap to his destination in Kentucky on the 28th of September, 1781. For on that day, he aided in constituting a church at that point, then the extreme western settlement in Virginia. Dr. S.H. Ford in the Christian Repository of March 1856 says of Craig and his traveling charge about the 1st of December, they passed the Cumberland Gap, and on the second Lord's Day in December of 1781, they had arrived in Lincoln, now Gerard County, and met as a Baptist Church of Christ at Gilbert's Creek. Old William Marshall preached to them with their pastor the first Sunday after their arrival. John Taylor, in a biographical sketch of Lewis Craig, says, I think he moved to Kentucky in the fall of 1781. Dr. R.B. Simple, in his history of the rise and progress of the Baptists in Virginia, says, But in 1781, to the great mortification of the remaining members, Mr. Craig, with most of the church, moved to Kentucky. There seems to be no disagreement among the historians of the period as to when Gilbert's Creek Church was located in Kentucky. So modern writers have been misled by Asplund's Register of the Baptists in America for 1790, which records the name of a Gilbert's Creek Church constituted in 1783 in the same locality. This ancient church had but a brief history in Kentucky. Dr. Ford thinks it numbered about 200 members when it was first organized on Gilbert's Creek. It continued to prosper under the care of Mr. Craig until 1783, when he and most of the members moved across the Kentucky River and formed South Elkhorn Church. The old organization continued to diminish in consequence of the removal of its members to the north side of the river. John Taylor closes his biography of Lewis Craig in the following language. As an expositor of the scriptures, he was not very skillful, but he dealt closely with the heart. He was better acquainted with men than with books. He never dwelt much on doctrine, but dwelt mostly on experimental and practical godliness. Though he is not called a great preacher, perhaps there was never found in Kentucky so great a gift of exhortation as in Lewis Craig. The sound of his voice would make men tremble and rejoice. The first time I heard him preach, I seemed to hear the sound of his voice for many months. He was of a middle stature, rather stooped shoulders, his hair black thick, set, and somewhat curled, a pleasant countenance, free-spoken, and his company very interesting, a great peacemaker among contending parties. He died suddenly, of which he was forewarned, saying, I'm going to such a house to die, and with solemn joy went on to the place, and with little pain left the world. At the beginning of the year 1782, the Baptists had three churches in Kentucky. The regular Baptist preachers in the new country, as far as known, were Barnett, Gerard, Whitaker, Marshall, Lewis Craig, and most probably Richard Cave and George Smith. All these, except Barnett and Gerard, had been separate Baptists in Virginia, but for some unknown reason they had changed their party name, there being little else to change at that time in order to their becoming regular Baptists. Well, what about the Reformed Baptist Church? 
About the year 1795, Mr. Tanner moved to Woodford County and settled in the neighborhood of Clear Creek Church. By this time, he had come to the conclusion that all the existing churches in Kentucky were too corrupt for a Christian to live in. He soon induced his aged father-in-law, Elder James Rucker, to adopt his opinion. Elder John Penny had recently moved from Virginia and settled on the Salt River. He was induced to enter into Mr. Tanner's scheme. They found a few Baptists in Mr. Penny's neighborhood suited to their purpose, and they constituted the Reformed Baptist Church on the Salt River, of ten members, three of whom were ordained preachers. Their plan was to receive members only by experience, and these must be of known good character. None were received by letter from other churches. Their intention was to have a very pure church. As Mr. Penny lived among them, he was a chosen pastor. The fact soon developed itself that human nature was the same in the Baptist Reformed Church that it was in Clear Creek Church. The members of this pure body soon fell into contentions among themselves. Mr. Penny called helps and constituted the present Salt River Church on the old plan. Mr. Rucker returned to Clear Creek and shortly afterwards moved to the lower end of the state. The Baptist Reformed Church was dissolved in two years after it was constituted. Mr. Tanner soon moved to Shelby County, from whence, after a brief period, he emigrated to Missouri and settled near New Madrid. From the settlement, most of the people were frightened away by a series of violent earthquakes which occurred in 1811. Mr. Penny aided in gathering a number of other churches to which he ministered until they could be supplied. As he advanced in years and churches and preachers greatly increased in numbers, he narrowed the field of his labors. At his death, he was preaching a salt river, Little Flock, and Fox Creek churches all in Anderson County. The last sermon he preached was at Salt River in the spring of 1833. When he closed his discourse, he addressed an exhortation to the people to whom he had preached, now about 35 years after this manner. My dear brethren and sisters, a dreadful scourge of cholera is now raging in the land, sweeping away at thousands to their long home. Before another church meeting shall come around, many of us may be in the great eternity. Perhaps this is the last time you will ever hear my voice on earth. Then stretching forth his hand to the unconverted, he said with great tenderness, How oft would I have gathered you, even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, but you would not. Coming down on the floor, he invited all who desire to be prayed for to come forward. Quite a number came, and he knelt and prayed with them for the last time. A few days after this, he was attacked by cholera with great violence, and it became apparent that his time was short. He bore his sufferings with calmness and patience, talking to those around him of the glorious land and the heavenly Jerusalem that he was about to enter. A few moments before he breathed his last, he looked around on his friends and said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is a crown of righteousness laid up for me, which the Lord, the righteous judge himself, shall give to me. A few moments more, and his spirit was with that Savior whom he had so faithfully preached. This is on the 15th of June, 1833. In doctrine, Mr. Penny held the views of Andrew Fuller. His manner of speaking was clear, brief, and pointed, and thoroughly biblical. It is said that he seldom preached longer than 35 minutes. He exhorted sinners to repent and invited them forward for prayer. 
This has been a short examination of the history of the Kentucky Baptists. This is a narrated Puritan. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast. <music>